Amen. Again, I want to thank you in the Lord's name for coming tonight. It's good to see you. For those who are visitors, we bid you warmly welcome. Welcome all who are online. And we're especially delighted to have Dr. and Mrs. Greenfield with us. No, no stranger, but we especially enjoy the Lord's servant, his ministry and song, and his faithful preaching of the word of God. And we're going to ask him now to come and minister that word to us. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank you, Reverend David McLaughlin, very much for those words of welcome. It's always a joy to be with you, to have fellowship with you here in Carried Off. And it's always a pleasure and a privilege to be enabled to come and to preach the precious word of God. Now, I want you to turn with me tonight to a very, very familiar portion of Scripture. It's in the book of Jeremiah, perhaps one of the most familiar passages of Scripture when you think about the harvest season and about the harvest time. And it's one of those passages of Scripture that's been preached upon many, many times down through the years. But as Jeremiah himself said, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way. And this is a passage of Scripture that reminds us of the harvest time, the opportunity of the harvest, especially the spiritual harvest and the tragedy when that harvest could be lost. We're turning to Jeremiah chapter 8, and we're going to read from verse 15. The Old Testament Scriptures, the book of Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 15. The Word of God says, We looked for peace, but no good came. For a time of health, and behold, trouble. The snorting of his horses was heard from Dan. The whole land trembled at the sound of the neighing of his strong ones, for they are come, and have devoured the land and all that is in it, the city and those that dwell therein. For behold, I will send serpents, cockatrices among you, which will not be charmed, and they shall bite you, saith the Lord. When I would comfort myself against sorrow, my heart is faint in me. Behold the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people, because of them that dwell in a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people am I hurt. I am black, astonishment hath taken hold on me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Amen. May God bless to us the public reading of his own inspired and his infallible word. Perhaps we could just stand together for a wee word of prayer and then we'll turn again to God's word. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank and praise thee again tonight for thy presence already with us. We thank thee, Lord, for the messages and song. We thank thee, O God, for the hymns of Zion that we have been singing together. We thank thee again, Lord, for thy faithfulness, thy goodness to us at the harvest season. Lord, we thank thee that while this whole 
world shall remain, the scripture saith, that seed time and harvest and summer and winter and cold and heat, it shall not cease. And how we thank thee, Lord, that we are trusting in thee, the great creator and sustainer of all things, the redeemer of your people. Lord, we rejoice tonight in thy presence already with us. And we pray now, Lord, as we would turn to thy precious word, even in the closing minutes of our service, Lord, draw very near to us, we pray. Lord, I need the endowment of power from on high. I take the promised Holy Ghost, the blessed power of Pentecost. O God, fill me with thy spirit, I pray, and help me to preach thy word without fear or favor. And may we know that anointing of the fresh oil of the spirit and bless your word to every heart. Bless every child of God. Encourage them. Remember those who are still outside of Christ. O God, in wrath, remember mercy and bring them savingly to thee. Be with us now, Lord, as we turn again to thy precious word. For we ask all these things in our Saviour's name and for God's eternal glory. Amen. 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 And I will not have any prizes or giving out any gifts for those who could pick or choose the text at the harvest time. It is, of course, verse 20, where the prophet of Jeremiah says, The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. God chose Jeremiah. God says to Jeremiah in chapter 1, he says, Even before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And I have ordained thee to be a prophet. And God commissioned Jeremiah to go forth and to preach his word and to be a faithful messenger and to preach the faithful message, the words that God would give me. He says, the words that you hear from my mouth, you preach to the people. And so when we read this story in the book of Jeremiah, we realize that about 2,600 years ago, Jeremiah, the prophet of God, walked amongst his people. The Bible tells us in chapter 9 and verse 1, Oh, that my head were waters, and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people, Jeremiah has been called the weeping prophet and he had a great burden for his people and he says, oh that mine eyes, my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears. And Jeremiah walked amidst the people and he wept for the people and he wept over the condition of the land and over the condition of the hearts and souls of the people. And Jeremiah witnessed to them and told them that God had a message. And if they did not repent of their idolatry, if they did not turn from their gross iniquity, then God would judge them and they would be taken away into captivity by a people from a foreign land. And 2,600 years ago, as Jeremiah faithfully walked and witnessed and wept and warned the people, an army came 
and besieged the beautiful city of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar, his armies, they laid siege to one of the world's most beautiful cities. And the people of that city, they looked out, and as far as their eye could see, they saw the tens of thousands of Babylonian soldiers. They saw the camels. They saw the encampments. They saw the huge weapons of war stretched out across the plains as far as their eyes could see. But in the city there were false prophets and the false prophets told the people, peace, peace. But the Bible says there was no peace. He read in the opening verse, we looked for peace, but no good came. And so 2,600 years ago, that city, the gates were closed. They were under siege. And then a time came in that besiegement when the great granaries in Jerusalem ran empty, when there was no food, when there was hardship and heartache. And eventually the city fell and people were taken away into the land of Babylon in captivity. And this cry that went up says, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. They had watched the armies and the encampments and the weapons of war, and the seasons had passed, and now they have to confess that the harvest has passed, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. Now this book, the Bible, is a relevant book and a reliable book. And it is, of course, the royal book. It's God's law. And when we think about the circumstances that prevailed in Jeremiah's day. Men and women who had heard a warning. Men and women who had someone to weep over them and to pray for them. Men and women who witnessed even Jeremiah. Uh, we sometimes talk about in children's meetings and in Sunday school and in children's work about having an object lesson. And Jeremiah performed many object lessons. He walked about on occasion with a, a, a yoke about his shoulders and round his neck to tell the people that this is the, the, the captivity that you're going to go into if you don't turn from your sin. But the people didn't listen. In fact, when Jeremiah wrote his word, the word from God, and put it on a parchment and sent it by the hand of Barak the scribe to the king, the king tore it up threw it in the fire. People said, we'd rather listen to the message of the other prophets who tell us there's going to be peace. They end up, they put Jeremiah in the prison 
in the dungeon because he was faithful to God. And as you read these words, we can draw a parallel, we can draw lessons for men and women tonight in this little province of Ulster who are still outside of Christ. And I want you to notice that the Bible speaks here about a frightening confession. It says, we are not saved. And when you read about these people and you think of how they were besieged and the armies that came against them, they were not saved. And they went into the land of captivity and they dwelt there. And it's a frightening confession because they had been warned. They'd been prayed for. They'd been witnessed to. But they didn't do anything about it. And the tragedy is, beloved, that as I preach around the province now that I'm retired and I'm different places Sunday by Sunday and taking part in missions and different things, sometimes we hear those words, well, I'm not seeing. Sometimes we hear them by those we might describe as rebellious, by those who are like the prodigal son who want to spend all their substance on riotous living and get away from home and away from restraints and away from the, the restraints of the church and get into the world and uh, get saturated in the drink or the drugs or whatever it might be that this world has to offer them. And sometimes if you're speaking to them just glibly, they'll say, well, I'm, I'm not saved. I'm not saved. And it's, it's, it's a confession that we not only hear from those who are rebellious and who have, as it were, turned their back upon God and headed into this world as fast as they could go, but we hear it sometimes from people who are religious. People say, well, you know, I, I go to my church. I'm a good church attender. And they give plenty to my church and I support the minister and I have been baptized, I have been catechized, I have sat down at the Lord's table, I have partaken of the bread and the wine and I'm a good church goer. But you know, I'm not what you people talk about, about being saved. I'm not saved. And it's a frightening confession that men and women can go through life and maybe they're dependent upon the church and what the church can do. Whereas those of us who are saved, we are dependent upon the Lord Jesus and what Jesus can do and how he has saved our immortal soul and washed our sins away through his own precious blood. And you hear those words even from what we might call people who are so respectable. In this very chapter, Jeremiah talks about the priests, and he talks about the prophets, and he talks about the princes, and he talks about those people whom this world would hold up with great respect and awe and look up to them. But yet, so many good, decent, moral, upright, respectable men and women and they confess, I'm not saved. I've never had that experience. I've never put my faith 
and my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, remember the Bible says that you and I, we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity and in sin that our mother conceived us. And the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that the wages of sin is death, the soul that sinneth it shall die. Therefore, men and women, we need to be saved. But here's a frightening confession. And maybe that's, if you were to formulate the words, if you were to speak it out, if you were to say the state of your heart tonight, you would say, Fred, I am not saved. I am without God. I'm without Christ. I'm without hope in this world and in the world that is to come. I'm not saved. And I want you to notice when the Bible says there, we are not saved, that frightening confession was spoken by a foolish crowd. They heard the prophet of God. They listened. But the Bible says in verse 9, the wise men are ashamed, they're dismayed and taken. Lo, they have rejected the word of the Lord. You see, when we think about the people to whom they looked, it is recorded in the book of Jeremiah, we looked to Egypt for help, but no good came. Now, Egypt and the Bible is always a picture of the world and its glory and its riches, and its pleasures. And here's a people, and they thought when they were besieged and the armies from Babylon had come, well, we send messengers, we send runners, we send someone to Egypt, and surely Egypt will intervene. But there was no help from the world. Let me tell you, there's no help in the world. I remember one time I was visiting and had an awful sore head, had a migraine headache. And I was supposed to go to number four and I went to number two. As I could hardly see, I got out of the car, I could hardly see. And I was walking down and there was a man, he was washing his car and he looked at me and had a clerical collar on. He says, what kind of religious animal are you? I says, oh, I'm a free Presbyterian. And I shook hands with him. And he says, do you want to come in? I thought he was the man I was going to see because I was only in the church a wee while and I'd got a list of people I had to see. I went in. He says, I'm going to tell you something about myself. I says, it's fine. He says, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Well, I says, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. How long have you been here? He says, 26 years. I says, that's wonderful. I'm so glad. I says, suppose you take it one day at a time. He says, that's right. That's right, one day at a time. Well, I says, you know, I'm so glad when I hear of someone getting off the alcohol and being clear for so long. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. But I says, you know, it doesn't go far enough. He said, what do you mean? What do you mean? And I took my wee testament out and began to show him God's way of salvation. And he says, Fred... He says, I think I have what you're talking about. I said, sir, I'm not trying to be smart, but if you only think 
you have it, maybe you haven't got it. Well, he says, I need to get it. And he knelt down in his living room and he prayed the sinner's prayer and he asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into his heart and be his saviour. And I believe he was genuinely saved and he joined a, a little assembly near his home. But friend, the world will take men and women Take them down the road to a lost eternity. Then, like the prodigal, when the famine came and he began to be in want, all the fair-weather friends of this world left him. And he had to feed the swine, be a servant, the man who came from a lovely home. And you think about the prophets to whom these people listened as we have read in the Word of God here, they looked for peace in chapter 14. And the Bible reminds us there in verse 14, Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake to them. They prophesy unto you a false vision, a divination, a thing of naught, the deceit of their heart. And on a number of occasions, as you read through the book of Jeremiah, we are told there were false prophets False prophets. Now you meet false prophets everywhere in this society in which we live. And Jeremiah was widely outnumbered by the false prophets in his day. And the people give an ear to the false prophet and they listen to them. Oh, they said, they, they tell us there's going to be peace. Paul wrote to the Romans, he said in Romans chapter 16, he says, men and women can be deceived by the fair speeches of men. And how many people in this little province of ours have been deceived because someone told them, you're all right. You don't need to be saved. You're a good person. You're a churchgoer. You've been brought up in church and Sunday school. You know the, all these things. You've been baptized. All these good things in their place. But they've been deceived. And of course... There are many false prophets, whether it be of atheism or evolution, or socialism, communism, or agnosticism, or whatever, liberalism, all these false prophets today, and, and the New Age movement, and all these things. And there was a prophet, a true servant of God, and they loathed him. And they put him into prison. They cast him out. And he had the message. What a foolish crowd. Just like that rich farmer whose ground brought forth plentifully. And the Bible says he thought within himself and he said and the Bible says, he said, I think I'll pull down my barns. I'll build greater. I'll say to my soul, take thy knees. But God said, thou fool, this night thy soul should be required of thee. And then whose will these things be that you possess? So, beloved, the Bible speaks here of a frightening confession. We're not saved. 
It speaks not just of an individual, but of a foolish crowd, that whole uh, nation who rejected the word of God from Jeremiah the prophet. But then you'll notice there's a fearful conclusion. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And this crag was up. We are not saved. Bible teachers often talk about Scripture interpreting Scripture. And if ever a passage could be summed up in a few words, this passage in Jeremiah that tells us the harvest is past, the summer is ended, we are not saved. Doesn't God say in the book of Proverbs 29 and 1, He that being often reproved, that's the opportunity that he has, He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, that's a tragedy. Just like the people in Jeremiah's day, they had the opportunity, every one of them. They heard the prophet. They seen him carry the yoke. They seen him wear the girdle. They seen him do different things as he sought to witness and, as it were, an object lesson to them why they ought to get right with God. But they, they turned away. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed. And that without remedy. And that's what happened. They watched out as time went on and seasons passed one day to another, one week to another, one month to another. And then suddenly the city fell. They were carried away. Many were slain. And many were taken into captivity. You know, men and women can go on through their life and everything seems to be going well. And as it were, they seem to, to get away with it. And sometimes even God's people are discouraged and downhearted. And they're like the psalmist David when he, he looked at the wicked and he saw how the wicked prosper. And how they've never any troubles and how everything seems to be going well for them. And here we are, God's people, and things are hard and we're in the battle and things are troubled. But then the psalmist says, I understood their end. I went into the sanctuary. I understood their end. God says their feet will soon slide. And men and women can go on that broad road at least to a lost eternity and they can live for sin, they can live for self, for pleasure, for the things that this world can give, for possessions, for power, whatever it is. But then one day, their feet will slide. One day they'll be called to an account. We were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. Sin is universal as far as this world is concerned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But sin is personal. And everyone must give an account. But the Bible says God hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world by that man whom he hath ordained, even our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So dear friends, as we bring our meeting to a close, I pray that'll not be your confession. We're not saved. I pray that even before you leave this meeting tonight, you'll be able to say with truth and assurance and conviction, 
saying, God, I am a Christian. I am saved. I have received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And it is well, it is well with my soul. Let's bow together, please. We word of prayer as we bring our meeting to a close. Just as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, can I say myself, Reverend McLaughlin, we're your servants for Jesus' sake. And if you're not saved, and this is your confession, I'm not saved, but I would love to get right with God. I would love to know that my sins were forgiven. I would love to be sure that Jesus is my Savior. I would love to know that when this fleeting life comes to a close, that I'll be with Christ for all eternity. Then, dear friend, we love to help you. Speak to us at the door. If you're with a Christian friend, ask them to come with you. And we'll only be too happy to show you from God's word, God's way of salvation, how you can be saved, how you can know that you're saved, how you can be sure that you're saved, that your sins are forgiven, and that it's well with your soul. Father in heaven, we thank thee again tonight for the simple message of the gospel of Christ. And we thank thee, Lord, tonight that the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we do pray, Lord, tonight that you'll bless your word, that some dear man or woman or young person may come as a sinner to Jesus. Thank God there's life for a look at the crucified one. There's life at this moment for thee. And Lord, we pray that they may come and receive our Savior as their own and personal Savior too. That they might leave rejoicing in the knowledge of sins forgiven. We pray now that you will separate us with thy blessing, that your hand would be upon us. Pray the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit might rest and remain and abide with us all now until the Lord Jesus Christ comes or calls.